0: Hi, we here at Grace Life would love to help you discover Jesus' unconditional love and grace for you. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you and further establish you in the truth of God's Word. So, I was uh, praying and thinking what to share this morning. and. I'm going to share on the law of the spirit of life, the law of the spirit of life. And I just in worship, I felt God say um, basically to to speak a soft word or a tender word this morning. I don't think Jesus was always pumped up and shouting and like Mr. Muscle Man up front. I think he just spoke and the word says that he spoke with authority, not as the, the religious leaders, not as the people of his day. He spoke with authority. And I mean, it's not adrenaline that gets people into heaven, is it? It's the truth that gets people into heaven. It's the gospel that sets people free. And I was just thinking um, when uh, Simone sang that song, how beautiful it is that we get to live freedom. And um, for you who don't know or didn't realize what she said, she's going to be out of the country soon. Uh, So you won't see her here on a Sunday. Today is her last Sunday with us. And that's why um, she just felt to, to share that and sort of that's a testimony to God and I think freedom is such a testimony um, of God's goodness. And that's why Paul says in Romans 1.16, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. It says to the Jew first, but also to the Greek. And I was, I was reading the word this week, and when you look at the word heathen, it's most often also can be translated nations. And we have a, we have a weird understanding with heathen because we don't want to be part of the heathen, but you are. If you're not Jewish, you are. You're a heathen. But now, hopefully, you come to Christ, so you're part of the new Jerusalem. Amen? The real, the true Israel of God, uh, part of Jesus and, um, and, and His body. So, we're going to look in Galatians, Galatians 3. And, um, yeah, I think God is just so faithful um, as well in, in, in sending people. Like the last few weeks... When we rock up here at quarter past seven, or we, we, we say we're here at quarter past seven, we aim to be here at quarter past seven, amen? But it's cold and it's dark, so we're not always here at quarter past seven. Um, but then there's this new people showing up. I'm like, hey, how, uh, what are you doing here? No, we're here to help. This morning again, we had some new people. Hey, we're here to help. And then I think they get a fright because where's the other people? I thought well, there's a big team. And <laughs> well, they're still coming. But then when it gets comfortable, I know God's up to something. When it gets comfortable i know god is usually up to something because it's so awesome that god sends the people even before we need them and those last few weeks you know who you are if you've been showing up early and helping but um it is also because god's been sending god's been moving people we know um lucas and martinet has moved on to Malmesbury to support shane and marna there uh, julius has recently moved to durbanville to go and support etienne there so it's it's, it's key people in our teams and in, in, in setup set up and practical things but there's enough of us here to make this going, isn't it? If each of us bring our part and each carry a bit of weight, then we can all do this together, and we can all move forward together. And that's so awesome, because we get to do this together. If it was just me and Natasha, then uh, you wouldn't have nice slides. You, you'll have great worship, because she can do it. But then we need to juggle with Jordan, because who's, the, who's keeping Jordan? You wouldn't have online. Currently, there's, there's nine or ten links people online listening in um, around the world, literally. Um, because of the, there's people who's part of this. And I want to just say thank you. Uh, thank you for, for, for all of you for being part of it, for financially supporting us. You know what? The hotel didn't give us this venue for free, unfortunately. Um, but we get to use this venue, we get to partake, and we get to share. So, Christy, for you, I just saw you in the armory, like you know where the, the soldiers get dressed. And I saw you ready, and you're hearing the battle on the outside. And it is as if you're polishing your spear and you're getting dressed. So I just want to say that the battle is real, but you're in the right place. And God will release you when the time is ready. Um, The fight, the round of the fight, I see almost these gladiators fighting. The fight that's on right now is not your fight. So you just get ready because God will release you to the fight that is your fight. And it's a fight of faith, obviously. It's a fight of the gospel. um, But don't feel like you need to rush ahead. Um, Because God is still preparing you, God is still dressing you, if you will, in His armor and in His gospel. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for everything we have. Thank you for freedom. Thank you that we're never alone. Never, ever alone, Father. And while we are seated and while we are thinking about God, just think of freedom. Think of of the things or the thing or or, or something that you maybe struggled with that you are now free from. I just realized when Simone sang that song, how many things I'm free of. Things that I used to struggle with, thoughts, mindsets, strongholds, sins even. Um, Fear of man, fear of lack, uh, fear of finances, fear of of, of many things. Uh, God has just set me free of that through His Word, because he who the Son sets free is free indeed free of religious observances, free of um, trying to impress. I mean, we can always be more free. We can always grow in that freedom. But I'm sure there's, there's many, many things that we can just thank God for in this moment. And just between you and God, just take a moment, recognize the power of the gospel and the freedom that you've got in that. The freedom. Don't always look at what you still need to accomplish. Sometimes we can just thank God for how far we've come. Amen. We, we, we tend to look at what we don't have yet, but we've got so much. Hebrews 13.5 says, Be content with what you have, because you've got the anointed one. You've got Christ. You've got the power of God, not just in you, but living through you. Always, always, always with you. Father, thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you that we've been digging into the Holy Spirit for the good part of six months almost now, Father. And there's so much more. There's so much more in Jesus' name. Amen. I mean, who's blessed by that? I was just blessed by thinking of what God has done and what God is doing and obviously giving us hope. So we are still busy with the Holy Spirit as a theme. Uh, you might not uh, know that, but we've been busy since uh, January. And I was thinking, Lord, do we now go and get practical? Do we go share on the gifts and, and how to operate in church and go through the book of Corinthians and, and see that there's three prophetic words or three words of interpretation? And, and we can get very practical and there's nothing bad about it. It's good. But I felt God say, rather speak about the fruit. Speak about the fruits, not the, not the gifts. Because the fruit is more natural. The fruit is for all of us. The fruit is what comes out. If you think the fruit of the Spirit is love. So that's in Galatians where? Galatians 5. So people think the book of Galatians is against the law. But the book of Galatians is actually about the Spirit. The book of, the, of Galatians gives us the fruit of the Spirit. But then it also gives us many other things. In Romans 8 and verse 2 says something very interesting it says for the law of the spirit of life in christ jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death so as grace people we love to say i'm not of the law i'm against the law i'm not under the law so what do we say to that we need to ask what law what law because you are under a law you are under the law of the spirit of christ and i was thinking but isn't that, maybe that Greek word is different. Maybe the law of, of sin and death, that law is maybe like law, but the other thing is like a rule or a principle. No, it's exactly the same word in Romans 8 verse 2. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. So where is that? Where is the spirit? Well, it's in Christ, but where is the spirit as well? The spirit is where life is. And the spirit and life then is in Christ Jesus, according to Romans 8 and verse 2. We love Romans 8 and verse 1. But we get so excited by verse 1, we, 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 don't, we don't mind verse 2 for the, for the gold that's in it. It says, it has made me free. Now, I don't know that the theme for today is going to be freedom, but there you have it. Thank you, Holy Spirit. So there is a freedom from something. What is the freedom from? From the law of sin and death. We think we are free from sin. No, you are free from the law of sin. Because Paul says, where there is no law, sin is not imputed. And we're going to go and look in in, in Galatians 3. Galatians 3 is awesome, and it says basically, what the law, which 430 years after Abraham, it should have been 400, but then Moses showed up. And Moses hit an Egyptian and he killed him. So there's 30 years additional. 430 years later, there was something given. What was given? The law, the law of Moses, the law of sin and death. After what? After the first law, the covenant with Abraham, which God said, what? We looked at this last year, but uh, what did God promise Abraham? What is the message that God shared with Abraham? What is it that Abraham believed? Now, people say, yeah, Abraham was obedient. Yes, he was obedient because he believed, but he's not righteous because of obedience, he's righteous because of belief. Because by the works of the law will no flesh be justified, so by obedience also not. Obedience shows us that you believe. Okay, So it's good to, to obey, but don't obey without believing. So, so what, what did he share? He shared, he shared the gospel with him. The gospel which was before preached to Abraham. Now we're going to hopefully blow your mind a little bit in Galatians 3, so let's start. Galatians 3 and verse 1. It says, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? that you should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ has been evidently set forth, crucified among you. So who is he speaking to? Not just the Galatians, the foolish Galatians, amen? <laughs> Paul gets quite animated here. He says, "O oh foolish, oh stupid Galatians. He says, who has bewitched you? Now you know what? I'm busy with notes on... Uh, on, on a revelation of Satan and, and you're going to love it because it just shows us that he's really not as big as we think. He is really, really not. So we read bewitched and we think sangomas. We think doctors," We think curses. We think it's got nothing to do with it. The word bewitched there is like a, um, it's a sleight of hand. You see the context says who has bewitched you. It says basically who has blinded you, who has tricked you. You before whose eyes, so there's the context. So the wordplay by which there is a wordplay on um, a Kilkenstanar. You think this guy, Houdini or whoever, does magic, but he doesn't. He's just sleight of hand. He, 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 um, he's divisive. He's, he's, he's deceitful, actually, if you think about it. They show you one thing, but they're actually doing something else. And then we pay good money to go see them. Amen. We call it entertainment. Well, that's interesting. But that's what people do with the gospel. And we think it's demonic, we think it is, but it's not them, it's people. Who has bewitched you? Not what? Who has bewitched you? Oh, who you foolish Galatians? Who has who has tricked you? Who has blinded you, if you will? Who has showed you something different than the way it really is? And what is the way that it really is? The way that it really is is Jesus Christ, who was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. What did you see? You saw Christ crucified. Now someone has fooled you, bewitched you, tricked you, into showing you something else. So now you don't see Christ crucified, you actually see something else. Who's ever heard Galatians 1 or 3, one explain like that? It helps. Because now you don't need to pray and fast to cast out some demon, now you just need to open your eyes. What does Paul pray in Ephesians? That the eyes of your heart be Enlightened. That you see. Okay? You see, it's the same thing. We are blinded not by by the devil. We are blinded when we look away from the light. So, the darkness what is darkness? It's the absence of light. Darkness is not a power. Scientifically, darkness is the absence of light. But we give the devil a lot of power. And you know how much power does the devil have? As much as you're given. Because Jesus said what in in Matthew 28? He said, All authority. Where? In heaven, the spiritual realm, and on earth, the earthly realm, has been given to the devil. No. Has been given to me. All authority, all power, has been given to whom? Jesus. So how many is left? Nothing is left. Some of you are like, where is this guy going? I'm giving you freedom, hopefully, this morning. Because Jesus said, therefore, in my name, now you go with what? All authority. You know, even before the cross in Luke 10, Jesus sends them out with authority. But there, Jesus doesn't have all authority. So later, what happens in Luke 10? He sends them out two by two. They, they, they cast out demons, by the way. They don't have all authority. They just have authority. In Matthew 28, now we have all authority. Mark 16 says what? You shall go out and you shall raise the dead. You shall heal lepers. You shall cast out demons. Oh, but we need, to, we need to pray and fast. We need to get ready. We need to stir up and kick up some dust and smoke. No, you don't. Who said that? Mark 16 says go out, be a witness, and do what you need to do. Clean the house, shine the light if you need to in dark corners. You see, we, we, we're giving wrong focus here. We read bewitched and we're like, this, this is this is bad. It's not their fault. That's the next thing. It's not their fault. They've been bewitched. No, they lend their ears to the wrong person. That's what they did. And then what you hear is what you see, and what you see is what you become. Because faith comes by? Hearing. So if you hear the wrong thing, you're going to believe the wrong thing. We think faith only comes when I hear the right thing. No, you'll believe whatever you hear. Ask the Germans. Second World War, they believed what they heard. It wasn't right. It wasn't about Christ. It wasn't the truth. But they believed what they heard. So faith, you believe what you hear. Therefore, it's so important what we listen to. Now, the blinding, the word there is also fascination. Fascination, the bewitchment. It's like a magician that has the appearance of magic power through the sleight of hand. Basically, it is a fake power. It is a fake power. It's not magic. It looks like magic. It's not a a, a demonic force. It just looks like one. Now, verse 2 says, This only would I learn of you, receive you the Spirit. So, he said, I'm asking you this one thing. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Now, we need to understand what is he talking about. He's he's talking about salvation. He's not talking about a separate encounter. He's talking about salvation. He says, did you get saved by doing a law, obeying a law, or by hearing about faith, by hearing about grace? Because if you have, then how does that work? The New Living Translation says, let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by, by obeying the law of Moses of course not. You receive the Spirit because you believed whoa catch that. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. So what did you hear? A message. What message? The message of the Bible. Yes, if you know that the Bible is about Christ. Not a message in the Bible, the message of the Bible. It's different. So it's Christ. And what did you receive? Salvation. How did it come? Through the Spirit. 2 Thessalonians 2 and verse 13 says, But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God has formed from the beginning, chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth. Listen to the New Living Translation there. It says, As for us, we can't help but thank God for you, dear brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord. We are always thankful that God chose you to be among the first to experience salvation. Okay? A salvation that came through the Spirit who makes you holy and through your belief in the truth. So what is salvation? It is the Spirit coming to indwell man. And how does it come? Through you believing. What are you believing? The message. Or what have you heard? The message about Christ. The message of faith. You see, Christianity is, is so simple. For 2,000 years now, people have complicated it. That's the problem. It's so simple. Because if we look at what was promised, we know God is faithful, then we'll see what is fulfilled. Who agrees with that logic? So if what was promised is what is fulfilled, then we know what we've got. Do you know what you've got? Some of you do. What do we have when we have Christ? Let's look at it. Remember, we're looking at the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. So what is that? It's a spiritual law. It is the law, it's the law of, of life, but it is spiritual and it is in Christ. Now we're going back to Galatians 3.3. three, 3. says, are you so foolish? Who's he speaking to? The foolish Galatians, still. <laughs> Same audience. Having begun in the spirit. You see, it's not law versus grace. It's spirit versus flesh. Because the law of sin and death is fleshly. It is works-based. It is what you do. It's what I can see what you do. It's what you, it's what you tithe. If I can count, did you give 10%, 10%? It is, did you sin? And if you sinned not, like, did you offer for that sin? Or that, it's, it's all carnal. It's all fleshly. It's all manifested in the, the natural realm. He says, but there's something else. There's a spiritual realm. So he contrasts it in Romans 8. And he says, there's the law of sin and death. That's on the one side. Because why? Because God likes to kill people. No, because the wages of sin is death. The payment for your sin is death. That's just that's how it is. That's the law. That's how it works. But on the other side, there's a law, and this is how it works. It's the law of what? The spirit of life. It's contrasted to the, spirit, to the law of sin and death, which the Israelites were under. Now it's a different law. What does the law there mean? It's not commandment. It means this is how things work, like gravity. If you have Christ, if you are in Christ, you cannot help but, believer, have the Spirit. And you cannot help but have zoe life. That is the word there in Greek, it's zoe. It is the law of the Spirit that gives life. And what life? Eternal, everlasting life. So when you're in Christ, sorry for you, there's some side effects. What are the side effects? It's freedom. It's life. It's spirit. But if you're in the sin and death side, then, then there's, some, there's some side effects too. And that's death. So get out from there. Because it was really never God's plan. You see, there's a window in the, in the history of humanity, in the history of, of, of the Bible even, where that law, the law of Moses, was applicable. Literally, just not from Genesis. Literally 430 years after Abraham, until Christ came. But for some, some flabbergasting reason, the church for 2,000 years wanted to go put themselves under that window of, of, of time. You know why? Because we struggle to believe. Because we live carnal, fleshly lives. And then we can understand and we can measure and we can keep score. But it's never been about keeping score. It's never been about looking at how good you are. Christ is a spirit. Christ comes to set you free. From what? From the law of sin and death. So why, why, oh foolish whoever, put your name there if you need to, would you go back to living under the law? Hasn't Christ clearly been set before you crucified? Haven't you seen the revelation of who Christ is? Why, oh why, oh why, do we want to go back to the meager first principles? It's for children. Galatians speaks about tutors. Now the tutors are next door. That's where kids' church are. I'm speaking to adults here, am I? So let's go. Let's live this free life. Listen to verse 4. Have you endured all these trials and persecutions for nothing let me ask you again what does the lavish supply of the holy spirit in your life and the miracles of god's tremendous power have to do with you keeping religious laws the holy spirit is poured out upon us through the revelation and power of faith not by keeping the law a lavish supply not just a little bit the king james says He therefore that ministers to you the Spirit and worketh miracles among you, does He do it by the work of the law or by the hearing of faith? Ministers there is supplies. What does He supply? He supplies the Spirit. How? Through the hearing of faith. What is faith? It's what we believe. It's the grace message. It's Christ crucified. Let's jump to verse 13. Yet Christ paid the full price to set us free from the curse of the law. How much did he pay? The full price. To do what? To set you free from the curse. People read only that part. But to set you free from the law. The what law? The cursed law. The law of sin and death. Yo, but I don't know if Jesus really paid it all. Maybe I need to add some. Maybe I need to add just a little bit. Just a tip. Maybe I'll just give... the. You know when you fight who's going to pay the bill and someone says, "Okay, I'll pay the tip. We think Christ has paid it all, and we just need to add a, a, a tip. So what I really wanted to do this morning is, I wanted to give you all brownies. Nice chocolate brownies. And then give you these brownies and say, please enjoy these brownies. Please, this is a family church. You can eat it while we're speaking. And then somewhere here in this message, I wanted to say, but you know what? What's your dog's name? Reki. Reki. So Reki is a? A German Shepherd. So Herman, for his birthday yesterday, made some brownies which we all just enjoyed. Thank you so much, Herman. But did you know Herman's dog Raki had a bit of a stomach issue and they hadn't have enough brownie dough. So they took just a little bit of what was on the lawn to just fill up so that there's enough for everyone. I hope you just had a really, really good brownie. I wanted to do that so bad and then see your faces, but I love you too much. So, that's what we do. We say, thank you, Lord, for giving it all, but we want to add our little bit of good works. And what did Paul say? My most righteous actions are as? As dung. He probably used a stronger word than than, than the nice King James polished version. Who wants that brownie? Just a little bit, just a teaspoon. There was just a teaspoon in there. No, it is spoiled. It is rotten. It is no good. But yet, that is exactly what a lot of people do to, to the gospel, to the good news. They just add their little bit. You know, if it's Jesus plus anything, it's, not any, it's, it's nothing. It's not anything. But if it is just Jesus, it says, hasn't Jesus been set before you crucified? Hasn't Jesus been? Hasn't Jesus been the faith, the message, what you believe? Isn't that what saved you? Isn't that what brought you the spirit? Isn't that what gives you eternal life? What is it in Romans, in in, in verse 5, that it says that gives us the power? It is the revelation, not the action. But no, we just want to add we just wanna we, we, we just wanna eat right, drink right, speak right, fast right, tithe right. We wanna we wanna just add our little bit because guess what? Jesus needed a tip. He said it's 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 really not about what we do. It's about what he's done. Yet Christ paid the full price. To set us free from the curse of the law, he absorbed it completely, and he became a curse in our place. For it is written, "Cursed everyone is—sorry, everyone who is hung upon a tree is doubly cursed." Now, verse 14: Jesus, our Messiah, was cursed in our place. In so doing, he dissolved the curse from our lives, so that all the blessings of Abraham can be poured out even upon non-Jewish believers. So there is mercy and there is salvation and there is sanctification and justification and there's all these fashion words but what does it mean justification is you are paid for you had a massive debt of sin which you could never pay thank you lord jesus christ that you got on the cross you who knew no sin became sin and hung on a cross so that what sin was condemned where in the flesh That's why it had to be flesh. That's why the Spirit of God had to come live in a man. Because that's where the problem was. But the problem is no longer there. Because otherwise Christ didn't do His job. But 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 21 says, He who knew no sin became sin, so that. Like uh, the song, But God, we must write the song, So That. Because in Galatians 3 and verse 14, it's also a so that. So Christ became a curse. Thank you, Lord Jesus. That's where we preach against the law of sin and death. We preach grace. Grace fulfilled what the law of sin and death never could. But we don't stop there. Because there's a so that. And the so that is that the blessing of Abraham. Okay. Ching, ching. Let's get some money. Did you know that Abraham was already rich when God encountered him? How was he rich? Some of you know. He sold his wife twice. What a businessman. Franchise your wife. You know what the good thing is about a franchise is you sell your business many times over. Same business, you just sell it many times over. Same wife. (laughs) You just keep on rolling. So he was already blessed. He didn't give to Melchizedek to become rich. He gave to Melchizedek because he was rich. Why are you wanting to be rich? so that you can give. Hopefully, that would be the right way. But that's not the message for this morning. What was the blessing of Abraham? You see, there's something here. In Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. Romans 8 and verse 2 says the same words. In Christ Jesus. What is in Christ Jesus? The law of the spirit of life. What was promised to Abraham? The spirit of life. How? In Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. I think it's Romans 5 says, Abraham saw the day of the Lord and he rejoiced. He saw the day of Christ. He believed the gospel. Not some other message. He believed the gospel. That we, I'm in, who's been with me? That we might receive what? The promised spirit. You can say that too. The promise of the spirit. The spirit that was promised. How? Through faith. You see, it's not by works. It's through faith. Faith in what? Faith in what Christ has done. And what does that faith mean? You need to believe, not just that Christ do what He did. You need to believe that it was enough. That it was good enough that it was finished that it was complete that it is finishing not finish and klar we had a thing up in our house for a while it says that the eras finish and clear." that's it he loves you finish and klar what well, you the, nothing you do can do something about it because it's not about what you do you see we are, we are camping on mount sinai where we are supposed to be partying on mount zion what did the Israelites do? They, they they said, we're not going on the mountain. We're not going on the mountain. No, 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 no. You can read, um, I'm reading Exodus currently. God said, I want to make you a a, a, a kingdom of priests. That was his dream for the Israelites. We, we think it happens in Peter and Revelation. No, that was his dream in, for the Israelites. But they didn't want it. They didn't want to go up the mountain. Now, Jesus says, You are the light of the earth. A city on a hill. What is he doing? He's calling you up the mountain. He's calling you to closeness, to intimacy. He's saying, come, shine your light. And the Israelites didn't have to come up with a light. They could just reflect the light of who God is on that mountain because there was already thunder and lightning and everything. But they were afraid. Why? Because they did not know God. So it's so important that we get to know God. Now, it's, it's beautiful that we see in verse 14 that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles through Christ Jesus so that we receive what? The promise of the Spirit. And this I say, verse 17, that the covenant that was confirmed before of God in Christ. Oh, Pull up the handbrake. Let's look at this. And this I say, that the law... The King James says the covenant, which was 430 years later, cannot annul what? The covenant. What does annul mean? Disregard, make of none effect. Okay? So the law came 430 years after something. After what? After the covenant. I'm asking you a question are we living under the new covenant? Or are we in fact living under the old covenant? The oldest covenant is the new covenant. Because there was something before the law, and what was before the law was the covenant promised to Abraham, and that is the covenant which Christ fulfilled and under which we now live. That's why I say the law with Moses was just a little speck in time. If you don't believe me, read Galatians 3 again. It cannot annul the covenant that was confirmed before by God. Where? Your. In Christ. Who did he speak to? Abraham. What did he speak about? Christ. You see, now I pick up Genesis and I'm excited. I'm reading through Exodus and I'm seeing Jesus everywhere. Because I'm not weird and I'm not disillusional, I'm just saying that's what God saw. So when I see with His eyes, then I should probably see similar. Where is it? It's in Christ. When was it promised? 430 years before the law. What was promised? The law of the spirit of life in Christ. That little part that came later cannot make what was promised at first of none effect. That's what it's saying. Why? Because it's a promise. And my God cannot lie. What did he promise? The promise to Abraham, the promise of the Spirit. We just came from verse 14. Remember the context. 1 John 2.25 And this is the promise. That He has promised us. What did He promise us? Yes, He promised us the Spirit. What does it entail? He has promised us eternal life. You see, Abraham, we can think, oh, Lord, I don't know if you've thought this before, That's a bit unfair what you did with Abraham. You say, go stand outside, look at the stars, and you look at the stars, and you say, look at the dust, and you look at the dust, and you, you tell him, this is how much children you're going to have. And then he has Ishmael, which is a work of the flesh, which I believe is the dust. And then he has Isaac, which I believe is a work of the promise, the word says in Romans 4, which is the stars. But he doesn't see them. He sees two sons and he sends one out. So when he dies, okay, he's got more sons after Sarah, but that's not as many as the stars. I mean, the guy only had so much time. So, don't you feel like God let him down a little bit? It's nice that you promise something, Lord, but he didn't see it, so what does it, what does it actually matter? Is it, is it only, only me who's ever thought like that? Like, You know what was the promise? It wasn't Isaac. It was what would come through Isaac. So yes, it included Isaac, but the promise was so much bigger than Isaac. And if you don't agree with me, then you haven't listened the last half an hour. Let's go to verse 16. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promise made. I believe that should be promise, not promises He says not, and to seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. You see, Isaac is just the way through which Christ came, but Isaac was not the promise. What is the promise? Christ. It's a bit of a Bible study lesson this morning, I know, but it will help you. It will help you, set you free. Because what I'm trying to show and portray here this morning, it's really not about what you do. Because what you do cannot disannul what God has promised. Do we honestly think that what we do is going to impact so much what God has promised? That it will be really about God blocking and halting and waiting and withdrawing His promise because of our actions? We're not not that special. Come now. We are so special that He sent His Son, which He promised, so that in Christ Jesus we can have life and we can live forever. And that's why they say, those who with faithful Abraham believe. What did faithful Abraham believe? He believed in Christ to come. So whatever Moses and Joshua and, 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 and Levi and Aaron and all of them did, could not disannul God's big plan. It was merely a detour. Let me drop one more bomb. Galatians is all about, and Hebrews, we, in, in our men's Bible study on Tuesdays, we're going through Hebrews, and we're looking continuously at this thing about Melchizedek. When was Melchizedek first mentioned? It was mentioned to Abraham at the slaughter of the kings, after the slaughter of the kings. So what was promised was according to the order of Melchizedek. So what came 430 years later, Aaron and Levi, could not disannul what was promised in the order of Melchizedek. And then it says Jesus is the one whom, in the order of Melchizedek, will be a king-priest forever. And the whole of Hebrews basically says, guys, these this little few hundred years, don't worry so much. There's a bigger priesthood. There's an eternal king. And even your father Abraham tithed to him. And then it says here on earth, people receive tithes, the Levites, because they had to live of that. But there in heaven, they receive them. Because it's really not about the material. Now, back to 1 John 2. We need to close this obviously soon. 1 John 2.25, we looked at it and it says, This is the promise that has promised us, even eternal life. These things have I written unto you, concerning them that deceive you, them that seduce you, them that bewitch you. Them that's trying you to do things when it's really not about what is done, but what is promised. These who are trying to seduce you, he says, you've got the promise. The promise is what? Eternal life. Now what are the deceivers, the seducers, everyone else trying to do? They're trying to make you earn what's already yours. you know what the problem with that is? Galatians speaks about a term called falling from grace. Falling from grace doesn't mean you go to hell. Because you're not saved by grace. Not by grace alone. You are saved by grace through faith. Then there's a born-again experience. You become actually a spiritual being. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says you're now a new creature. The the, the locust is now, the caterpillar is now now the butterfly. Do you think of a butterfly sins? Butterfly's got some loose eyes. It's looking at another butterfly like... Butterfly has got a bit of a, a thirsty side to him and he, he, he has some beer. Butterfly flies into a wall and he, he says a swear word. Do you think that butterfly is going to become a caterpillar again? So how do you think you're going to lose your salvation? You see, it's because we don't know what salvation is. It's not something that you can lose, it's who you are. It's your new creation, new creature, new species, identity. It is spiritual. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. The problem with falling from grace is, is you stop operating in grace. And that's what Galatians, the, the church in Galatia done. They, they went back to works. They went back to Judaism. They went back to candelabras. And they went back to, to offerings and tithing and working. And, and Peter they didn't even want to eat with them. And what, what, what happened? Revival stops. Because only by grace can people be saved. So if you stop living by grace, you change your message and no one else gets saved. So you're actually just becoming self-centered. If you think Christianity is about you getting into heaven and staying in heaven, then you, you don't realize the true reality of what you've got. Christianity is not about you. It's about those who's not yet been born again. For all authority has been given unto me, so you can do spiritual hula hoops and and juggling with, with, with miracles. No, that's not what it's for. It's so that you can go into all the world and share what? A message? The Bible? A story? Your testimony? No. The gospel. Why? Because it is the gospel that changes people. It is the gospel that saves people. It is the gospel that gives life. 1 John 2.27, and the Passion says, But the wonderful anointing you have received from God is so much greater than their deception and now lives in you. There is no need to anyone to keep teaching you. His anointing teaches you all that you should need to know, for it will lead you into truth, not a counterfeit. So just as the anointing has taught you, remain in Him. Is this helping someone this morning? Amen. We're going to skip Hebrews 8. Hopefully we'll get there next week. So Romans 8 and verse 2, where we started says, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. When you thought of what you became free of. You know, we had this moment earlier in the service. Someone remembers. And we, we thank God for what we are free from. I hope it was not by your works, because then it will not last. I sincerely hope that it was because of the spirit of life and your position in Christ Jesus, because then that freedom will last. And then that change will be real, and then you will live in eternity with Him. Why? Because Romans 8 and verse 3 says, For what the law could not do... Now I'm stepping on Lacatuna. The law was limited. The law was weak. God found fault with it. In that it was weak through the flesh. You see, the law is not evil. But the law required the flesh to obey, and the flesh is the issue with the law. The law is holy the law is from God the law is set apart the law is God's standard but God's standard is spiritual therefore flesh can never attain to God's standard so stop trying The Pharisees tried and there was polished white polished graves full of dead men's bones I I've, I've lived there You know you can polish all you want but the stench is what you can't hide God did what, 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 what did God do? What the law could not do. That's what the verse says. So the law could not do something, but God did it. So do we still have to do what the law could not do? No. Why are we trying? What the law could not do, God did. God made the brownies. But we want to add our little bit. God did how? By sending His own Son. How? In the likeness of sinful flesh. Where was the problem? Sinful flesh. He, on account of sin, condemned, condemned sin where? In the flesh. What does the word condemned mean? Remember, we're coming from Romans 8.1. There's no condemnation. Why? Because sin is condemned. Did you get that? There is therefore now no, nada, zilts, zero condemnation. Why? Because sin has no power. Sin is unfit for use. That's what condemned means. Sin is condemned. So what you are struggling with is not sin. It's your thinking. Because just like darkness is the absence of light, sin is a misunderstanding of the truth of the gospel and the full impact of what Christ has done. So trying harder is not going to help you. But the power of God, Galatians 3 and verse 5, says comes through revelation. And that's what I'm trying to portray to you this morning. What we are living has got nothing to do with the flesh. What we are living Is the law of spirit life in Christ Jesus? You know what? In business, you speak about efficiencies and effectiveness. Efficient is how quickly you can do something, effectiveness is whether you're doing the right thing. So you can climb up against the wall with a ladder on a high building very quickly. That means you're efficient. But if it's the wrong building, you're ineffective. How much of Christianity is climbing up the wrong building? We've got a polished ladder. We've got people trained. We've got confessions. We've got accountability. We've got whatever. We've got saying sorry. We've got rituals. We've got... Bread and wine, and some people have milk and water and oil and, and whatever, but it is not the right building because it is the law of sin and death. But Colossians 2 says clearly, You have been completed in Christ. And what do you get in Christ? The law of spirit life. So you can be the best Christian and be super ineffective. Well done. Or you can go for it, make a few mistakes here and there, go all out, believe God, and get some people into heaven with you. Because are you living under the law of the spirit of death? Or are you living under the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus? It is radically different. And we call both church. We call both Christianity. We have a problem. And I'm not against anyone. I am for the gospel. I am for the gospel. Galatians 2, let's go back just a little bit. Verse 20. I thought it was 19. "For I through the law, am dead to the law, that I might live unto God." That's my mantra. I live unto God. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet, not I. But Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Please have a correct Bible translation. It's the faith of God, not the faith in God there. Radically different. I do not frustrate the grace of God. Later on he's going to speak about falling from grace. But here we're speaking about frustrating grace. For if righteousness comes by the law, the law of sin and death, then Christ died in vain. The Passion says, For if keeping the law could release God's righteousness to us, the Anointed One would have died for nothing. Then we made all those brownies for nothing. No one would want them. But guess what? There is no way on this earth that Jesus' death was a mistake. Because he who knew no sin became sin. So that we who had an issue, what was the issue? The flesh. Could become what? The righteousness of God. Where? In Him. 2 Corinthians 5.21 Your position has changed. Forget about your actions. We tend to fixate ourselves on actions. Your position has changed. Your identity has changed. Who you are has changed. You are no longer who you used to be. Therefore, you no longer need to struggle with what you used to struggle with. You are a new creation. You are living no longer under the law of life or, or the law of sin and death. We are done with that. That is behind us. Two Corinthians five seventeen says, "All things have become new," and that is the problem of the Church of Galatia. They went into the newness of life and then they hooked some of the old things with them in a trailer. Just a little bit of Raki's contribution. You see, if you get this, you'll live victoriously. We, 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 we read Romans 12 and we think, do not go according to the pattern of this world. And we want to have a different worldview, And we want to vote for a different political party. We are operating in the flesh. The pattern of this world is you need to be spiritual. You need to be above. You need to be super. Super is above the natural. We can no longer play church. The time is done. The world has had enough. We are living in a post-Christian era. Let's make sure we live in a spiritual believer, powerful era. Let's usher in this age which Christ promised and delivered 2,000 years ago, and which has been corrupted and meddled with and added to for 2,000 years. And I say enough. I don't know who's with me, but I'm done playing law of sin and death. Let's live. According to the Son of God, the Spirit of God, the life of God. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God. Nothing else unto salvation. Let's stand together. As you close your eyes, just listen to these words. 2 Corinthians 3 where he says, You are our epistle, written in our hearts, known and read of all. For as much as you are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God. It's a different realm. It's a different reality. Not in tables of stone, but in the fleshly tables of the heart. God is writing not to us, but we are the letter. We are the promise fulfilled. And when people see us, let them see Christ. Let them see someone who believes. Let them see someone who's received power. Let them see someone who knows the gospel. Let them see someone who can help them. Yes, let's heal them, let's raise the dead, let's heal the sick but let's get them into heaven. Let's get them into this new reality. Let's get them supernatural. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like us to pray with you, please contact us at info at gracelife.co. If you'd like to order more resources or discover more about us, you can visit our website at www.gracelife.co or find us on Twitter, Facebook and YouTube.